Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Good morning, North Shore. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, better than me, apparently. That's good. Well, welcome. It's good to be here. I don't know why I have this pen. I'll set that down right now. Today, we are going to be talking through um, the last half of the second chapter of Ephesians and the beginning of the third chapter of Ephesians. As you know, we've been in the book of Ephesians here called The Worthy Walk the last several weeks, and we've gotten to this point. You guys, I'm excited about this morning. It's been a difficult passage for me as... um, I don't know if you guys have this experience when you, when you um, are really immersed in something and um, you're bringing it to other people, God uses it to convict your own heart. So I've been wrestling, uh, but it's been really good. Do you remember some of you were here in the, in the fall, in August, family month? Do you guys remember the theme that we had that whole month? Oh, Ohana, <laughs> that's right. It's right, a Hawaiian term, right, that means family, brought by the two patron saints, Lilo and Stitch. Do you remember them? Right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hawaiian word for family. We talked about honor this summer. We talked about loyalty this summer. We talked about kindness and the love that binds us together as family. As you can imagine, these, these are outward expressions, right, of familial commitment that we have. But today we'll see how Paul shares in, in this section of Ephesians what actually makes us a family as followers of Christ, as believers, as Christians. But before we get started there, let's go ahead and, and pray this morning. Jesus, I pray that you would calm our hearts, uh, whatever we're bringing in here this morning or what we're experiencing online, Lord, I I pray that you would just help us to pause. Just gather our, our thoughts, gather our hearts, gather our troubles, and bring them to your feet, Lord, the feet of the cross. Lord, we sing holy There is no one like you, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. Lord, we sang these words. Jesus, this morning, I pray that those would ring true and would continue to ring true throughout our day, that your praise would continually be on our hearts and on our lips. Speak to us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit today. As uh, we read about uh, Paul's words to the church in Ephesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Got a photo coming up here, hopefully, for you. Um, This is my family. Many of you are familiar with my family. We've been at the church here a number of years. (laughs) Since the, the kids actually grew up here. So Jordan, uh, my oldest, 22, he's just graduating here in about a month from SPU with a, com- a computer engineer degree. 
Uh, Eliana is finishing high school and doing her first year at uh, Everett Community College. Um, TJ is doing a con the construction trades. And of course, my wife, Samantha. Anybody know her? The, the better half, of course, yes. But I wanna share with you a little bit about TJ, our son there in the middle. We adopted him 15 years ago. When was Valentine's Day, was it Monday? Yeah, last Monday, Valentine's Day. We adopted him exactly 15 years ago that day. We brought him home from an orphanage in Russia. And he's now 19 years old. So for 15 years, he's been our son. And I remember when we adopted him and we got on a plane and we flew, um, we landed in Atlanta, Georgia. That was the first stop here in the States on our way to Seattle. Didn't speak hardly any Russian. TJ didn't speak any English. It was quite an interesting trip. So much to that story I'd like to share that I don't have time for. But here's what I want you to remember about that time. My friends, when that plane that we were on landed in Atlanta, Georgia, when those wheels touched the tarmac, TJ became an American citizen with all the rights and privileges that those of us who have been born here or however we've received our citizenship, he became an American citizen that very moment when he touched down. Why? Because Sam and I are American citizens, and we are his parents. He joined our family. We adopted him into our family, and he received all those rights and privileges that very moment. And that's going to tie into our message as I continue here. But before I do, can uh, the ushers go ahead and bring your Bibles forward? If anyone needs one, just go ahead and raise up your hand and follow along. Because we're going to go um, through a lot of scripture today, my friends. This is a big passage, but it is so full of beautiful things. So if you could follow along with me, I'm just going to read through the whole passage, and then we'll just break it down some different ways, okay? So let's start. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11, we're going to read through 3.13. Here we go. Therefore... Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built up into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of man in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. <laughs> That's a lot, isn't it? That's a big passage. But there are so many incredible truths, so much that we need to glean from this passage, my friend, as God's family. As you, as you read, or as we read in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, starting out in 11 and 12, Paul says this, Therefore, right, last week, Remember the potter that was here and Scott talked about Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10, I believe. And this is how you were dead in your sins, but then you have been created. God's, for by grace you have been saved, right? And you've been created as God's workmanship, his beautiful masterpiece. And we, we talked through those things last week, or Scott did, right? And then Paul says, therefore... Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul starts this next section with the word therefore, right? Everything we just had talked about or preached about earlier, last week in particular, is going to be predicated on what he's talking about now. He is writing to Gentile believers. And he's reminding them of their past and how physically, ethnically, religiously, they're far from God. And he uses God's chosen people, the Jews, as an example, right? They can't even stand up to all those things. 
right? He, he mentions the Jews are uncircumcised physically, right? This creates a great social and spiritual boundary right there with the Jews. They were separated from Christ. They were excluded from citizenship in Israel, right? They were foreigners to the covenant of the promise. These covenants that were given down by God to Moses, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, on and on, right? They're excluded from those. They had no participate, participation, sorry, in the covenants of the blessings that came from that, from that relationship that God had with, with his people. They were without hope of a Messiah or a deliverer. And they were without God in the world. They had no meaning, no hope, no purpose or direction in life. My friends, does that sound familiar? I know it was true of me. As you and I once were, right? But then Paul describes something incredible. That's the first point. If, if you're filling in the blanks there in your bulletin, first point. The two shall become one body in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 13 through 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Then it goes on, the next two verses, by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. My friends, if... You study this word at all throughout history, throughout from Genesis to Revelations, you know about the walls of hostility that have been built up, particularly between the Jews and the Gentiles. In fact, in the Jewish temple, there was a courtyard for the Gentiles, but then there was an inner courtyard, an inner sanctuary, a dividing wall that no Gentile was allowed to enter upon punishment of death. You want to talk about a wall of hostility. I'd say if you, you, whoever you are, can't go past this point, there's a problem, right? But God, but God literally creates, and this is what we just read about, literally creates a new humanity, one body, the Christian church, and what's amazing about this new identity, this new body, is that Gentiles do not become Jews. Jews do not become Gentiles. Instead, as believers in Jesus Christ, they become one. They become Christians. A whole new family. And by reconciling them to one another and to God, he destroys this dividing wall of hostility. And Jesus brings peace, we read about. It goes on in verse 17 and 18 to say, through his finished work on the cross, he brings peace between them. And they now have access 
to the Father by one spirit. It reminds me of what Paul says in his letter to the, to the Romans in 8.15. He says that we've not received a spirit of slavery, which leads to fear, but we've been given a spirit of adoption. We've been adopted into God's family. And because of that, we can cry out to him, Abba, Papa, Father. It's a beautiful, endearing term. And we can all cry out to our own Heavenly Father together because we share that inheritance. We share a one family that God's created here. But I want to share a little bit about Paul because I was just... Again, I've read these passages, but God's just always connecting the dots with me, right? So I just wanted to share something. Paul's journey, this is in Acts. When he, when he returned to Jerusalem after his third missionary journey, Acts 21, 22, Paul incites a Jewish mob, right? He's beaten by this mob. He's arrested. He's carried by Roman guards, a tribune. And he shares his testimony with his accusers, and he does it in Hebrew. They think he's Greek, they wonder if he's Egyptian, and then he speaks to them in Hebrew, and it gets very quiet. He gets to the part where, where he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and, and he returns to Jerusalem after that, and then he has a vision and a conversation with the Lord, and this is what Paul says, Acts twenty two nineteen through 21. And I said, Lord... They themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and I beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. What in the world? My friends, Paul is the very Pharisee of Pharisees. He's taught by one of the greatest rabbis, Gamaliel. He's, he's a teacher of the law. He's, he's a Jew that's passionate about destroying the Christian church and believers, imprisoning them, beating them. And he's now telling Jew and Gentile that as believers in Jesus Christ, they're now part of a new family. A new family in Christ. My friends, this is the same guy. The man who persecuted and beat Christians is now imprisoned on their behalf. My friends, if, if, there's, if there's a testimony out there that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, that God is real, it's found in the life of Paul. Do you see the contrast there? Do you see why the Jews are incised? Why his life is in danger almost constantly now? Because these ideas are so radical to the first century, particularly to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Next point, if you're taking notes, we are fellow citizens with God's people fellow citizens. Ephesians 2.19. So then, 
You are no longer strangers and aliens, it says, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Later on in Acts 22, right after he says that, and the Lord has sent me to far away to preach to the Gentiles, that's when the Roman tribune loses it, right? And they grab him and he's about to be beaten. But then Paul drops the fact that he's a Roman citizen. And of course, they push back on that. Well, we paid a large sum of money to get our citizenship. And Paul says, oh, well, I was born that way, right? By birth. So their whole approach changed because you didn't imprison and beat a Roman citizen, particularly without cause. My friends, being a citizen is very powerful. That's why I shared that story about my son, TJ. Because the moment he touched ground in America, because we'd adopted him into our family, he became an American citizen with all the rights and privileges that we share, right? Paul, by birth, is a Roman citizen. That's a powerful thing in this part of the world, right? Many of you know I travel uh, quite a bit, particularly to Africa. And one thing that gives me a, a bit of peace is that I know if, if all heck breaks loose, right, and there's some crazy uprising or, or something happens politically in some of these countries, which, by the way, does happen quite often, I have a sanctuary that I can go to. Why? Because I carry a blue passport. I'm an American citizen. I can go to the U.S. Embassy, and they will open the door for me, and they will protect me. Even the locals that have lived right next door to that building their entire lives can't go into that building. But I can. Why? Because I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Do you see the importance of that and the power in that? So, again, we are fellow citizens, Paul says, with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a dwelling place. This is uh, the next point in your notes. We are a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Ephesians 2.22, in him you are also, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Think about that. We're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let me tell you the importance of the Spirit here. One of us on the teaching team is going to be speaking about this in a few weeks, Ephesians chapter 5. But let me just give you a, just a window into that. Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or dissipation or aimlessness is another word for that. But be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. My friends, how in the world does that connect, Right? Well, I don't know about you, but I'll speak for myself. <laughs> I've been drunk. I've been extremely drunk. 
And you know what? Not recently. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> in my past, right? I can tell you right now, I could not make good decisions. I could not plan out my future when I'm drunk. I couldn't drive a car for lots of reasons, right? There's a lot of things that I couldn't do. Why? Because I was controlled by those, that spirit. Southern comfort, I think is what it was. But the difference is, we're asked, we're commanded, excuse me, we're commanded by Paul. He says, be filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Spirit of God can then control us. We're not controlled by the things of the flesh. And Galatians 22, sorry, Galatians 5, before we get to verse 22, talks all about the flesh, the fruits of the flesh, which are idolatry, enmity, strife, dissension, divisions, fits of anger. It goes on and on. Those are the things that control us by the flesh. However, the fruits of the Spirit of God, you probably know these, are love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it says, against such things, there is no law. My friends, I'm just going to speak frankly with you. What, what kind of dwelling place are we establishing for God? by the Spirit. And over the last couple years, it's been hard. I think it's been hard for a lot of us for a lot of different reasons, but I think it's been hard for me especially because I feel like I've had to defend the church over and over again. Non-Christian friends, my, my uh, brother-in-law in Hawaii, um, we haven't been debating, he, and he, he was raised Jewish, by the way, so he knows a lot of what we've been talking about, and particularly the laws, right? We haven't been debating the deeper things of the scripture. I wish that we were, but instead, he's been asking me why Christians have been behaving so badly. Why why they haven't been exhibiting the very things that the fruits of the Spirit says here, that he hasn't observed those things. Instead, he's seen a lot of arrogance, a lot of pride, a lot of enmity, strife, divisions, particularly even within the church. And you know what? I don't know what to tell him. I mean, I apologize. I, I say, you know what? That's, that's, that's not what we're meant to be as followers of Christ. But there's not a lot I've been able to say to him that's brought any comfort. And yet, this is how we're called to act. This is how we're called to be. This is what Paul is saying as family members. This is how we are to act and how we are to be. Ephesians 3, 1 through 5 says, for this reason... I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. Again, do you, do you guys hear how crazy that is? 
that he's now being imprisoned on behalf of the very people he beat and imprisoned. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelations as I've written briefly. When you heard this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it is, has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Again, if you're taking notes, what is the mystery that Paul reveals here? Well, here it is, Ephesians 3, 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Imagine if you're a Jewish Christian hearing this for the first time. Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise. Yes, in Christ Jesus. We are all family. Because of what Christ did on that cross. My friends, the ties that bind us together as believers are stronger than what tears us apart. I'm gonna say that again. The ties that bind us together as believers are stronger than what tear us apart. Jew, Gentile, slave, free. We could go on. What Christ has done on the cross to make us not only acceptable to God, part of his forever family, able to call him our father, Christ's death also saved us from eternal death apart from God. Christ redeemed us. He blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We read about that in Ephesians chapter 1. He made us his masterpiece, his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2. And he made us brothers and sisters. He seals us with the promised Holy Spirit. My friends, I could go on and on and on and on about what God has done, what Jesus has done, to allow us to be part of the same family of God. These things are much deeper than our politics, our masking preferences, our vaccine choices, our opinions of the news media, etc. Right? We're all part of the same family in Christ. And we must live that way for the sake of the gospel. We have the hope that the world needs and we need to bring it. We need to bring it in a way that's pal palatable, a way that people can understand it and accept it. How then shall we live? Well, apparently not as contributors to that wall of hostility that Paul said was broken down by the peace of Christ and his death on the cross. I think we have another window maybe that explains how we could live. His letter to the Colossians, chapter three, verses 14 through 17. And above all these, Paul says, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. Does this sound familiar? Paul's repeating it to another church, to another group, because it's so important that they understand this. Sorry, that, I added that. That was, that was not part of this. Here we go again. And be thankful, Paul says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Final point here, the manifold witness, sorry, the manifold wisdom of the church is shown through the manifold witness of each one of us. Ephesians 3, 7 through 10, as we get close to the end here. Paul says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me through, though I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. My friends, this word manifold in the ancient world represented a multicolored tapestry. It described the many ways, the many angles of God's knowledge, which is revealed by the church, by you and I, to the angelic and the earthly audiences. Now, as we share that manifold wisdom, what might be our multicolored witness, in a sense, our many ways of doing this, uh, many ways, many angles that we could take in our witness, right? Because our witnesses change and our witnesses are full-bodied, et cetera, depending on our context and our audience. But what might that look like? I think, again, Paul sums this up in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, here we go, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, sorry, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Maybe we could go and do likewise, right? As messengers of this peace, as messengers of this truth, as ministers of reconciliation, as ambassadors for Christ. Something I was struck by as I was preparing this message, some words from Charles Spurgeon, an English theologian, maybe some of you have heard about this, but he, he was talking about Yahweh, right? Yahweh is, 
is the name of God that's spoken to Moses when, when Moses asked God who he is. God says, Yahweh, I am who I am. That's God's name. Now, as you know, Hebrew was written without vowels. It doesn't mean they spoke it without vowels. Obviously, they spoke with vowels, right? But this word, I want us to look at this word for a second here, Yahweh. It's, a, it's called an aspirated consonant. These, these, this, the way that this is, is formed, an aspirated consonant. So if we breathe in, it's like, and then if we breathe out, right? It's like breathing. Charles Spurgeon says this, so a baby's first cry, his first breath speaks the name of God. A deep sigh calls his name or a groan or a gasp that is too heavy for mere words. Likewise, a person leaves this earth with their last breath, right? And when God's name is no longer filling their lungs, so when I can't utter anything else, is my cry calling out his name? Charles Spurgeon said this. Is it any wonder then that Adam first received life through the breath of God? Is it any wonder that the Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness? We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. My friends, if the air we breathe is literally a gift from God, and the very act of breathing can remind us of the name of God, is it any wonder that James says in, in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. That's what James says. And this week I've been thinking and convicted by the words that I say to other people, particularly curses, particularly harsh things, harsh words, words that are not uplifting, words that are not edifying. What if before we speak those words, even in the coming week, we could pause for just a moment, take a deep breath, think of God's name, Yahweh, and just stop and give it a moment and then address the situation. Because I don't know about you, but I know for me, that would change a lot. It would change how those words come out and even the thoughts that are behind them. So as we wrap things up here, uh, the worship team is gonna come up and finish out our time together. But I just have a couple of questions to consider. Some next steps, if you will, just to think about. First one, how has your manifold witness that we talked about 
over the past few years, particularly when you consider the, the pandemic we've been in, how has your manifold witness over the past few years built up the church or others in the world? Or, as Paul talked about it, has it built walls of hostility? Just think about that for a moment. Second question. In light of Paul's message, how will you choose to be a peacemaker for the sake of the gospel? In light of Paul's message, how will you and I choose to be a peacemaker for the sake of the gospel? As members of the same family, Praise be to God.